Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hey, it's Catherine here. I have a really big, exciting announcement happening tomorrow, May 26th live on my Instagram account at Social Workers Rise. So if you are not following me yet, go over there, open up your Instagram account right now, search in Social Workers Rise, click it, hit follow, and if you want bonus points, you can even add me to your close friends, so that way you get notified whenever there's really cool announcements coming up like this. This is especially going to be important and exciting for you if you are a future therapist. So if you are currently um, trying to get licensed or you are in school and your end goal is providing therapy, then you definitely don't want to miss this announcement. I'll see you there. And for now, let's check out this episode. Hello. Hi, Keisha. Hey, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me here on Social Workers Rise. I'm really excited to have you. Good. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here and to to talk about this. Yeah. Awesome. So first, I wanted to just kind of get to know a little bit about your background and where you're from. Like, Like, how did you know that you wanted to be a social worker? Well, I definitely wasn't something that came to me immediately. I remember when I was in high school and, you know, the focus was on getting everybody to college. And I did, I had no idea what I wanted to do at that time. I was, I felt like I was kind of pushed towards healthcare because so many people are, you know, because of the idea of the job security and everything. But then when I got into college, I wasn't having fun in any of my classes. Like I didn't feel like anything that I was doing was really aligning with me. Nothing felt right. You know, none of those classes. I'm not necessarily a science-based person. It just, it wasn't really, it wasn't, you know, coming, wasn't coming full circle. So I left school actually left school and I took some time off and I started really at like evaluating all the stuff that I had done just kind of throughout my life like the things that I had enjoyed doing like volunteering one of the things I had done was big brothers big sisters and so I started kind of typing in all the things like into google like you would if you're looking to see what your symptoms are if you're sick I started typing that stuff in and that's kind of how I found social work so I re-enrolled and I was happy in my studies ever since so you googled like what what like like the types of jobs you wanted yeah well like I so I googled some of the stuff that I like to do 
I Googled some of the stuff that I like to do, some of the stuff I had done before and just trying to see, okay, like all these things, you know, what, what is this in a job? You know, how does this equate to a job, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how I found social work. And I had, you know, I had had, I'd actually had a social worker in childhood, but I didn't know that they could do all these things, you know? So I really didn't, I wasn't really aware of that. So it ended up being social science that I, you know, really was into, not medical science. So everything came full circle then. Wow, that's awesome. That's kind of similar how I found social work. So I had a social worker as a child also. So I was like, oh, you know, CPS, like whatevs. Um, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) Uh, But I was at my career like the career development center at my college. And I was just so lost. Like I had to pick a major. I was awful at math and they had this layout. I was like, Oh, sociology. Mm-hmm. I picked that one up and right next to it was social work. And I like read them both. And I was immediately drawn to social work because it said like people with this, like people in this field typically have a, um, like this kind of personality. So it was like very caring. They're a people person. They like to help other people. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. <laughs> so you kind of came home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I never turned back. <laughs> and I really liked that, that on that paper and maybe in your Google search you found that there's just so many different kinds of jobs, like not just um, clinical, but I was really drawn to like, um, like the macro work, you could say like directors and being in leadership um, and all of those like different areas policy that, that you can get involved in. Yeah. You know, I did find a lot of stuff, including some of the stuff that you've said, but you know, even after then I have, just seems like I just run into more and more things that social workers can do. Yes, it's true. I found that too. And, and I'm learning how marketable our skills are. Yes, extremely marketable. But it's like, if you don't know how to do that, which a lot of us weren't really taught that if you don't know how to market your skills in that way, then it's almost, it can be useless if you don't know how to market yourself. Hmm. Yep. It's true. Like if you, if you open up a restaurant and you have the most amazing food, but nobody knows about it, you're going to go out of business. Exactly. Exactly. We have all these amazing skills, but nobody knows about it. So uh, we got to change that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I do. So what have you done um, with your social work career? Like what kind of work have you done? Well, with my social work career, I initially I was working um, within community mental health. So I started off as a case manager. So this was like my first job, actually, after I graduated um, my with my undergrad degree. I was working as a case manager in community mental health. And I worked there for about a year and a half. I worked with kids who were really just like a part of the larger school system in that area. And after I did that, I really kind of worked there until while I was going through my grad program. 
So when I was going through my grad program, one of my internships was, or my, my internship during that grad program was with um, a family court. And so I was then again working with kids there because they were kids who were in detention. They were in juvenile detention. So I was doing like mental health assessments with them and some therapy, but mostly mental health assessments. Then after that, I moved into, um, I actually did, so this school in Indiana, so I moved to Indiana. And, and by the way, this, the stuff that I mentioned before that was in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. So I moved to Indiana and I was working for this job. And let me just tell you, it was the worst job I've ever had even now. <laughs> the worst oh, job I've ever no. had. <laughs> yes. So this was the job that I had after I graduated with my grad degree. This particular job was a, it was out of school and my role there was mental health therapist, but I was basically like the program developer. They had this program that really all the kids that were, you know, within the school, well, actually within the school system, they were sent to this, this particular program that I was working in because they couldn't function in a typical classroom. Mm -hmm. So it sounds great. No, no, that does not sound great. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're right. It doesn't sound great. <laughs> so all of the children with that struggle with behavior are in one room together. <laughs> in one room together. Yes, yes. <laughs> I guess what I meant by it sounds great is the fact that they were trying to tackle the problem. Oh, know? okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right. No, it wasn't great at all. I mean, it was, I'm talking about you know, just even on the, the lack of, because when I start, when I got this job, this was the first year they had implemented this program and they really talked it up, but it just wasn't, that's just not what happened. That's just not what happened at all. It didn't have any structure. You know, we were literally running after kids. Like we were running after them. They were eloping and getting like in the street. There was so much liability. Oh. Yes. It was awful. There was a kid <laughs> on the roof one time. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. And I was so stressed. I was so stressed um, in this job. And I don't know if you want to circle back and talk about like how bad that job was. And I can keep going and talk about the other jobs. Um, so after that job, though, I came, I worked with a, there was a woman who had started an agency um, also in Indiana. So I worked there for a while. This was also community mental health. And then I moved to Birmingham, moved back to Birmingham, which is where I am now. And that's where I started my business. And so I, on the weekends, I actually work um, at a local hospital in the um, emergency department. And then during the week, I, I work on my business. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. So you, so you have like used your skills and figured out a different way to, to make an income. So let me like, tell me about your business. What do you do? Who do you help? What do you tell me? Yes. Okay. So I am an anxiety specialist and I, I work. So I work as a therapist. That's what the, um, that's my role in this, in this business. And my clients, I essentially help women to navigate anxious women to navigate their social relationships. That's what I do. Mm. Yes. And it is really wonderful. You know, I'm just getting started. So I don't have, you know, a ton of stories about like the, you know, I guess the piece after the launch, but definitely, you know, launching and getting ready. There's, there was a lot of stuff that happened during that time. Um, 
but that's what I do. I help anxious women to navigate their social relationships. Wow, that's fascinating. So would that be con- so wait, I'm kind of confused. Is it like a therapist or a life coach or a hybrid or what? Yeah, so it's kind of a hybrid. So I I am a licensed therapist, but I'm creating a program that is a coaching program. So in this coaching program is really where I'll be kind of honing in with these women to help teach them skills like boundaries and because you know, we could get into this too, but, or this could be other conversation, but, you know, just even the idea of boundaries, for instance, you know, a lot of people just think of it as like the ability to say no, but it's so much more than that. You know, it's also the ability to say yes and to be able to stand up for what you believe in and be okay with asserting your needs and, you know, like being able to respond in a way where someone else is reacting against your needs, like still be okay with saying what your needs are, even if other people don't agree with them. And there are a lot of people who can't do that, especially if it was born out of trauma. So on the one end, I can help people with um, anxiety that was born out of trauma on the therapy side and on the coaching side, I do this program. Oh, wow. That is fascinating. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. You know, and it's something that um, certainly I can say that, I didn't just wake up and think about, you know, it was, it was something that was kind of honed in over time. It's like, once you get started with something, you get started on something that you believe is a vision and then your vision just starts expanding, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's really hard. I think, you know, especially for someone like straight out of school, especially if you haven't, you're not really exposed to all the things that you can do in social work. It's really hard to think about what specifically do I want to do in social work or what will I be doing in 10 years in social work? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it just, it expands so much once you get started. Mm -hmm. That's true. So how did you like specifically hone in on like women with anxiety? Well, Anxiety is my specialty. It's my most empathetic area. It is the my largest knowledge base. It's what I enjoy doing. So that's really how I ended up there. And then specifically working with women, it is, I, I would say it's really the same. It's just, it's my largest knowledge base and it's my most empathetic area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense. I feel like women... And I don't know the stats on this, but I feel like women are generally more anxious than men, just like in from what I know and what I've seen in my own personal experiences. Um, do you think that that's true? I think it is. I think that sometimes men show and men sometimes showcase their anxiety differently. But I think in general, I do think that I've, I usually kind of come across more anxious women than I do men. And this is even when I was working in community mental health and that wasn't my specialty. You know, I was just kind of working with them generally. Um, More of the women had anxiety than I could um, diagnose or make a diagnostic impression of the, for the men. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm thinking about my own life. Like Mm -hmm. I am much more stressful than my husband, (laughs) much more anxious. (laughs) Like I'm thinking about all the things. So like, what are we doing today? What do we need to get ready for tomorrow? Like, what does the kid need? Like, what are all, like, all, like, what does my husband need? What is he going to forget that I need to remember? Um, so all of these things. And then, um, it's just like, my mind is, is racing. Like, um, there's an analogy where it was like, 
a computer it's like a computer being open with like a hundred different tabs that you're working in (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I think women kind of carry we carry more of a burden sometimes you know like especially for other people's stuff Mm-hmm. And so that can kind of breed some of that anxiety too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And the things yeah. that you mentioned that you worry about, usually we don't hear men worrying about those things. So yeah, I would you know, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I know that like in previous conversations, you mentioned that a really big part of your success was using a business coach. Can you like talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So when I first got started, you know, I I had known that I needed a business coach. So how did you know, first of all? I knew because I didn't have that skill. I didn't have those business skills. I knew that. um, But I think even though not knowing that, I still wouldn't have known it if other people weren't telling me or I wasn't seeing it in other places of other people having business coaches. So it really kind of came from, you know, other people that had started businesses, um, you know, specifically like in our world who had a business coach. And so then it's like the idea became normalized, you know, to have a business coach. But without that, even if I didn't have the skills, I don't think I would have thought, oh, I need a business coach. So it was really was like it being normalized in different groups and stuff that I'm in where other people had business coaches. And I was like, okay, yeah, that is something that I need. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I wanted to eliminate as many um, trial and errors as I could. And, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we want to be financially successful also. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I didn't want to, I mean, because technically you could figure everything out yourself eventually. But how long would that take you? And Oh my gosh, forever. Right. And a lot of trial and error. And so yeah. investing in a business coach was really just me investing in myself and saying, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to have, I want to be able to eliminate as many errors as I can and be able to be put in one direction because I'm really big too, just in general, like I'm delegating. If something's not my zone of genius, there's no need for me to put in a lot of time and effort trying to figure it out because then I just get frustrated and whatever product I was trying to, you know, do doesn't turn out how I want it to anyway. Mm, Yeah. You know, even when I was working on my website, I started, I I started the website and I immediately realized it wasn't something I could do. (laughs) Girl, I know. Why do you think we don't have a website for the podcast? (laughs) Instagram is my jam. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I can barely get the emails to work. So I was like, no, pod, like webcat, web, website not happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know, that's just how it is with certain things. And so I I didn't want to be, I didn't want to spend a lot of time and energy trying to, you know, just making myself frustrated. So I said, I can't do this. I'll save up. And I paid somebody to do that. And I've been happier for it. I've been happier for letting people do what they know how to do and me doing what I know how to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like too, it's like, if someone wants to start a business, Mm -hmm. it seems like the best way to do it because 
you can try to like save the money and do it yourself and do like the um the trial and error yeah but you're losing money you are you're leaving it on the table because while somebody else could be showing you how to do these things and then you would make money quicker than if you were to wait you know and try to do it on your own yeah yeah exactly so like you could wait like a year through trial and error to start making money or you can wait like what two months I don't know three months I don't know how long it takes to make money with this (laughs) but depending on your business you know it could like cut your time in half right exactly no you're you're exactly right it and a lot of it has to do with that time Mm -hmm. yep yeah and you don't want to be discouraged early on either you know I feel like if you if you do try to take on everything and create your website yourself and do this yourself and you know it's like it's one thing if you know how to do those things like if that's already like a specialty that you you understand how to do but when you're trying to take on all that stuff and you frustrate yourself and sometimes it may you may tell yourself, well, I'm just not going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, that may stop you from actually opening the business. Or like opening up my website. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, so my, like, my main barrier was I'm stubborn and I can admit that, like I'm mm-hmm. stubborn. So I'm the kind of people who, like, I want to try it out. Mm-hmm. And then once I get so frustrated, I'm like, okay, fine, fine. I'll hire somebody because, but then it makes me appreciate that person so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For what they could do. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So how long, I'm kind of curious. So mm-hmm. from the point of like, you have an idea and you wanted to go into business mm-hmm. before you got the coach, did you know that you wanted to specifically help women with anxiety um mm, yes and have that clarity so yes and no like I had a general idea you know but honestly working with a business coach has helped me to they create the clarity for you Mm. you know so she helps me to figure out okay who exactly is your ideal client you know what who exactly isn't your ideal client so it's like after working with her you know I had my help statement I knew exactly who I'd be working with I knew exactly who I wouldn't be working with I knew how to it's like you know where to find your clients you know how to um how to connect with them and I'm still working with her you know she and I we're only about a third of the way through the process so and I've already learned so much so you know that so so to go back to your question I mean that's something that she helps me with you know to make sure Mm -hmm. that I knew exactly like you know how this was going to make sense and how I how I connected with the people that I wanted to work with Mm -hmm. that's really cool that's exciting oh yeah it really is and you know another thing this particular person um and I don't is it okay if I say her name yeah that's fine okay so her name is Tina Lopez And I actually, actually one of her clients reached out to me because she was also a coach, but not a business coach. She's a mindset coach. And so when she reached out to me, um, I just, I honestly, I usually don't even usually talk to people that, first of all, I never usually friend someone on Facebook unless I know who they are, (laughs) unless I've met them in person. (laughs) 
but when she when she reached out to me I just there, I don't know there was just something about like the way that she reached out to me you know it was just really really genuine and I actually responded to her and so when we figured out you know right away that you know what she did wasn't what I was looking for I still wanted whoever was working with her because I thought you you know the I, I was just taken aback by how genuine you were. So who's making this kind of impact on you? Right. You know, so that's kind of how I got linked with Tina. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So I feel like coaches are, are never talked about in social work. Like, let's be honest. Right. <laughs> They're not talked about. Right. Um, what kind of things or like what kind of coaches are out there like um like for people who are new to this industry or even this firm like Mm -hmm. um what what kind of coaches are out there that could help people um there's all kinds of coaches there's there's wellness coaches um there are business coaches there's mindset coaches um fitness coaches so a lot of different types of coaches you know just in general like to help people and a lot of some of the coaches that I've ran into recently online have a social work background. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I, I imagine, you know, because the, the, the idea of coaching, you know, especially when I ran into it, I really like the fact that it's really well, um, I guess you would say kind of really well directed. So someone who's a coach, they have a program. So it's like, you know, when you sign people on, they work your program. And you really just kind of replicate that with each person that you see. So it's easy for you as the coach, as you know, as opposed to in therapy, where there's a lot of digging, you know, within each session, you have to, um, you have to, it's harder to get your clients actually with, you know, as a therapist than it is as a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, but I have seen a lot of coaches though, that have um, social work backgrounds. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. we can add like life or coach coaching to um, to that long list of social work jobs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, as a coach, you don't have to have a degree, but I think it just so happens that um, was well, for most coaches, you don't have to have a degree. But I think it just so happens that people that were in social work, they were looking for kind of, I guess, better ways to do some of the work that they were doing. And so they come from mm-hmm. the coaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that people like you or maybe not like you, but <laughs> are drawn to you before, like, because of your degree? Um, like clients? Yeah. Um, honestly, no. Um, I think that, so when I first got started, um, there's been a lot, I mean, there's just so much that Tina has taught me, but, you know, especially like when I first got started, I kind of had like shiny object syndrome where, you know, I was so excited about my logo and I was so excited about (laughs) (laughs) my website, you know, people didn't care about that. They wanted to know what I could do for them. Mm. So, yeah, so they haven't really been so much, you know, concerned about what my background is, but I think that's kind of like all the more reasons why we do need to market ourselves in ways that people understand what we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So are you currently accepting clients right now? I am currently accepting clients right now. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So what is, what is your ideal client? Like, what do they look like? My ideal client, this is a great question. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) My ideal client is a woman who has a lot of anxiety that was born out of childhood. She's the woman who has been in or maybe is in a relationship where she can't get out of the relationship. And I'm not talking about typical abuse. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about someone who is understanding that this situation isn't serving them anymore. Maybe they don't necessarily, you know, love this person or like this person or trust this person. Maybe there's nothing inherently wrong. They just don't feel like they belong there. But because of the idea of hurting someone's feelings or not feeling like they're wrong, not feeling like they're right, Um, they don't leave that situation. That's the kind of anxiety, the kind of social anxiety um, that my ideal client has. My ideal client will be in a social situation and will have something go on, you know, either within communication, verbally, or, you know, maybe have someone do something, take an action that they don't necessarily like or doesn't align with them, but they won't say anything you know, because their anxiety wants them to really keep the peace. They're afraid of judgment. They don't want to, you know, ruffle anyone's feathers. Um, My ideal client will laugh things off, even though it's not funny. Mm. Yeah. So that's my ideal client. Wow, Keisha, that's deep. (laughs) (laughs) I felt that like in my soul. Did you? Maybe I'm your ideal client. And I didn't even know. Oh, wait, no, I don't, I don't want to leave my husband. I love my husband. But, but I understand what you mean, though. You know, I, I do understand what you mean yeah. about just being able to relate to it. And that's what, really what I wanted when I started trying to, like, verbalize who this person was. Mm-hmm. Because so often, like I said before about boundaries, for instance, people just see it as being able to say no, but it's so much more than that hmm yeah it's so much deeper it is it's so much deeper and so women who can't do that and I I empathize because I've been there you know women who can't do that they often end up with needs that aren't met and with desires they never get mm-hmm yeah and what kind of life is that you know um it's not a very happy one yeah Mm-mm. And you end up getting, you know, really frustrated with other people, maybe that you never voiced to. You're upset with them because of things they've done, but you haven't told them. Yeah. So you just keep that all inside and it, it gets heavy. Yeah. It starts to fester. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see how your background as a therapist, like for sure helps them. So like, I guess I'm because I've never really talked to too many coaches. So like, what, what does a coach do the therapist does and vice versa? Like what does a therapist do that a coach won't do? Okay. So you can do coaching within therapy, but you can't do therapy within coaching legally. So if you are, you know, someone who has a, social work degree and you have a social work license and you practice as a therapist, 
you can practice as a therapist within your state. But then, of course, when you go outside of that state, that's you technically can't do that because you don't have you don't have a license for that state to protect you and that client. So as a coach, you're not necessarily a coach. And some people do this. Some people say, well, I'm a coach then, you know, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. kind of get away from that. But coaching really does require a different skill set. Coaching is much less clinical within the coaching that I do. Um, and what most people, you know, who are, um, I guess, really kind of being ethical about it is that you are creating a service that's time-based and that helps the person get to like a very measurable, actionable goal, Mm. you know? So as opposed to like in therapy and outpatient therapy, where someone is going, you know, every week, every other week, however often, and there's, you know, goals are set in therapy, but it's much more flexible, you know, Yeah. and coaching, it's like you sign on with me and we're working together for 90 days. I see, you know, and we're working on this specific thing and I already have it laid out what we're doing from week to week. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of the difference. We're working yeah. on like goals, like, you know, things that this person is like changing in their life as opposed to, you know, any kind of clinical diagnosis. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so then is your business, Mm -hmm. is it a therapy or a coaching business? So the program is coaching only, but my business is both. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I can still see therapy clients. And then I also have this coaching program. Oh, wow. I literally didn't even know that was possible. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why it didn't like dawn on me, but I'm glad I had this epiphany. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So I can still see people. My license is in Alabama. So I can still see people for therapy in Alabama, you know, that are dealing with um, clinical anxiety and that, you know, they don't have to have an anxiety diagnosis, you know, of course, in order for me to treat the anxiety. But that's where the population is that I can work with in therapy. And then for coaching for people that, you know, I'm helping them to create their um, boundaries and navigate those social relationships. That's in coaching where I can see them anywhere. They don't have to be in Alabama. Okay. Awesome. So then you can do like web-based like virtual coaching and stuff. Right. Right. And actually right now, everything that I do is virtual. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, even actually outside of COVID. So, you know, COVID started happening and, you know, we started, having quarantine and everything but and that's really I launched probably a week or two before that started maybe but that was the plan for me anyway to be online wow look at you planning ahead (laughs) unintentionally yeah that's amazing yeah that's awesome so is, do you have any like tips for social workers who may want to find out more about like a coach or like the coaching business in general? Um, I would say probably a really good thing is to get online into the Facebook groups. The Facebook groups have a lot of information um, about coaches. There are coaches in there like that can help you to navigate, you know, like exactly what you're looking for. And because there's so many different types of coaches, they can also help you to kind of figure that out. Because even within business coaching, there's different types of coaches, you know, um, and they can kind of help point you in the direction. And there may be some in there that you may actually end up working with. So I would say that 
Facebook um, groups is a really good place to go to look for mm-hmm. that information. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And most importantly, where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Instagram at space.joy.heal. That's where I'm most active. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there's anything else that we didn't cover? Um, I think the only thing that I want to say is that, you know, because this had such an impact on me when, you know, the job I was telling you about in Indianapolis I was at a, an incredibly low point at that time. Um, I mean, and I don't think I really even knew how bad it was until I left. Mm-hmm. And I worked that job for two years. And it just really was awful. It was just really, really awful. So I think that one of the things that I would say to people is, you know, it can be really hard sometimes to like locate jobs that you actually, you know, that you want to, that you want to work. And as you're doing that and navigating that world, there are a lot of social work jobs. You don't have to stay at one if it's, you know, really affecting your mental health. You know, like I'm imagining how it was affecting mine. And I think at that time, what had happened is I was, I had started getting my clinical hours there and it's like, I didn't want to disrupt them. It's like, I wanted to just get them all in one place because, you know, what if the board doesn't recognize some of the hours if I get them from two different people or three different people. So I stayed, you know, for that reason, I was getting the hours, but even now looking back on that, um, I wish, I kind of wish I would have left just because of how much of an impact it had. So I would say that, you know, just pay attention. There are other jobs out there. If you're in one that's, you know, really, really unhappy or that's unhealthy for you. And that don't let it discourage you from the social work field because of the things that we, you know, talked about as far as like marketing and the availability. Because what I'm doing now, I never would have really dreamed of, you know, at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was something that I had to really start doing. It wasn't something I had a vision for because sometimes we don't know what's out there if we haven't seen it before, you know. Mm -hmm. And so don't let it discourage you from that. Make sure that you are kind of keeping up with what you want to do and staying healthy as much as possible because you can create a business in your passion. You really can. You can create a business in your passion. If it's something that you're passionate about, you'll find a way to make it happen. So that's what I want to say. Yeah, I really like that. And I appreciate you bringing that up because like essentially it's burnout. Burnout is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And It's so, it's like such a sneaky little beast because we don't know that it's happening until it's happened and we're like completely burnt out. Like WTF, what happened? Like, yeah. How did I get to this place of misery? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And you know, that can like happen because of so many different reasons, you know, burnout, it, it can, it can, it can happen from so many different reasons. And the program that I was working in, you know, there wasn't really an account, any accountability on any of the others, any, anybody that was working outside of my program, there wasn't really a lot of accountability. And like I said, it was new. So it's almost like, you know, I'm imagining, you know, kind of like throwing these kids in this space where you don't have to deal with them all day. So you really can't see how the other adults are dealing with it because Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not something you have to handle. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, often just getting like our concerns just kind of thrown out of the window, you know, just that kind of thing. So it, you know, burnt out, burnt out happened for me there. And that was my first job out of grad school. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm, I'm worried for, you know, other people in our social worker family that they do get those, like, those jobs that are so difficult and demanding and underpaid and underappreciated. And then yes. they burn out and, and we never see them again. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. It's not worth it. Like, don't burn yourself out. Like, it is not worth sacrificing your health. There is a place for everybody that can feel, like, happy and welcomed Mm-hmm. And your value will shine through. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in that place right now, then leave. Like, find, like, just get out of there and leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you will, you know, you will find where you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. And I'm going to be starting, like, some additional groups and courses. And um, and I'd love to even partner with you, Keisha, for, you know, maybe a course or something um, okay. about anxiety. I think it would be really powerful. Great. Yeah, I'd love that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Keisha. I really love talking to you. Good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I hope that this hits someone, you know, that that really needs to hear it. Yes, I hope so, too. You take care. I'll see you on Instagram. All right. Thanks. You, too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, write a review and give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you find us and join our community. Also, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at Social Workers Rise. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.